PhotoShelter is the online leader for photography websites. Archive, distribute, and display your photos in a flash-free, responsive website. Try one for free for 14 days at PhotoShelter.com. Get our latest educational guides for free. PhotoShelter.com slash resources. Happy Friday, everyone out there in photo lover land. You are listening to I Love Photography Live. This is Alan Robayashi broadcasting from our world headquarters here in New York City. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Sarah Jacobs. What's up, Sarah? Hey, Alan. How you doing? I'm doing good. You know, yesterday, not to toot our own horn, but uh, we were finalists uh, in the inaugural Internet Week's Best Places to Work in Tech uh, in New York, as you know. Yes, I do. So we, we went to a luncheon. Uh, we got a little uh, little little trophy, I guess you would call it, a clear Lucite trophy that said uh, best places to work. Uh, and then we also received the happiest employees award. We that did. Nice. Congrats to us, which is amazing and great and very true. Well, uh, we were joking yesterday uh, as, uh, you know, a few of us went to the luncheon and as we were walking there, um, Andrew was saying, you know, there's a gas leak. There's like the smell of gas permeating through the office. <laughs> And I said, well, we'll have the happiest dead employees. Oh, God. That's yeah. pretty morbid, right? <laughs> pretty Without morbid. Us. We had to open the windows to kind of like <laughs> let, out the, let out the smell, and it was freezing. But we were all happy, so it's fine. That's a great transition point, though, Sarah, because as you know, uh, there was uh, some cool Arctic air that descended upon the uh, continental U.S. this week. And while we were complaining about uh, unseasonably cool temperatures, Buffalo was getting hammered. Buffalo had five or six feet of snow in one day. Oh, my God. Due to, uh, well, uh, the lake effect being one of the reasons why it happened. Um, and so, as you can imagine, there's been some pretty phenomenal coverage of, of this uh, environmental quagmire. Um, and here's an aerial shot to kind of see all of the snow on top of all these houses. And, you know, I was going through, I, I, I can't even imagine that type of accumulation of snow. They were saying three, four, five inches per hour of accumulation. It's insane. Um, and the police were saying, don't bother to call us to, if you're trapped because they, <sighs> they couldn't even get there. Wow. They couldn't get there, and there were too many people that were trapped. Uh, uh, the, uh, last I read, seven people had died as a result of this. So it's not, you know, it's not something that we joke around about. But here's the crazy thing. Now look at this. Whatever weird storm pattern had descended on Buffalo, part of the city got nailed, and the other part didn't. And you can literally see the wall of snow. So people that were in within the wall of snow were the people that were getting... In two days, they got like seven feet of snow. The people in the foreground of the photo, as you can see, got, you know, a foot of snow. And the roads were clear. Wow. And I had friends who were sending photos and uh, correspondence, and they were just saying how, how strange and weird it was. Um, but, you know, photos can really, can really take you there. I know. I want to applaud the people of Buffalo for dealing with this. This guy shoveling out oh. his his pathway to his house. I mean, it just looks like an endless, endless task. You know, if this were happening in New York, we'd all be on Twitter 
<laughs> and Instagramming the hell out of it. Yeah, exactly. Now, what, do you think this is an adjacent building, or do you think he droned this guy? Or a oh, helicopter? Uh, I think it's helicopter. That's my assumption. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I think it's helicopter. He's, yeah, he's with the Buffalo News and the Associated Press. So I saw uh, a guy who put his drone out in the storm, and I was expecting some great things because we've seen some great drone footage, particularly, you know, that July 4th thing where the guy was flying his drone through the uh, fireworks. Uh-huh. This was a situation where it was almost like drone for drone's sake. He put the drone up in the middle of the storm, and it looked like you were in the middle of the storm. Mm. And in my opinion, there was just no benefit to, to doing that. So right. he did it. good for him. <laughs> but you couldn't see anything because you were just in the midst of a snowstorm, right? Yeah, that's not good photography, whether it's on a drone or not. If you no. can't see anything, then, then forget it. Speaking of uh, storms, I came across these uh, cinemagraphs. And uh, look at this thing. So the guy stitched together uh, a sequence of storm photos to show um, the movement of the storm cell and, and turned it into an animated GIF. Yeah, what a great use of the cinemagraph. It I really mean, is. It is. It's so much better than like a piece of hair wisping in the wind, you know? I, I think particularly too, I mean, I think when you're, when you're photographing something that's dynamic in nature, something that has inherent movement to it, and something that people outside of this area don't normally see. Like we would never see this sort of storm cell. So when we see a still of it, we have no sense of the enormity and the power and the movement. And this really kind of brings it together for me mm -hmm. and, and is displayed in a way that's not video. You know, you're, you're just scrolling on the page and you see it. You don't have to hit play or anything. Here, here it is. Yeah. Man, storm chasers. That is a breed of adrenaline junkie that... <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to go that route. Not my style, not my style. <laughs> you know, when you see photos like this, you're like, okay, maybe I'll try it once. <laughs> yeah, to get a good cinemagraph like that, it might be worth it. This link and all the links that we'll be talking about today will be available on our blog at blog.photoshelter.com. If you want to check them out yourself, and you should, this is a cool, cool photo. This is, uh, the photographer's name is Mike Hollingshead. Uh, and he took this photo in West Point, Nebraska. Great stuff, Mike. We love old photos. Always. And you and I, we're kind of, we love hip hop. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and uh, here was a set of photos by Lisa Leone from back in the day. This is, uh, I want to say, probably the 80s and the 90s, based on all the people that we're looking at here. But over on the Lens blog, Lisa Leone uh, showed photos of stars before they were stars. Yeah, she was involved in the hip-hop scene in the early 90s because she went to an art school and just kind of fell into it with it, with these kids that were making good music. And she has a new book called Here I Am. And these are images from the book. And her work is also on display at the Bronx Museum of the Arts. Uh, it's been up since September, and it's up till January 11th. So I definitely want to go check it out. Yeah, I know. It's great stuff. Uh, Wyclef John and Lauren Hill of Fuji's. Man, they look young. <laughs> yes, they do. They look like everybody looks like a baby in I these know, photos. It's incredible. Well, you know, and the other thing is that a lot of these people are still around making right. music. There's kind of a testament to the longevity here. Grandmaster Flash. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Rosie Perez, uh, the actress, um, dancer, 
director. And this is unbelievable. This is Snoop Dogg. <laughs> a very, very young Snoop Dogg. Is he Snoop Dogg nowadays, or is he still Snoop Lion? Oh, man. <laughs> he I'm might be Snoop Lion. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to check the Wikipedia page. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure either, but he, he looks like a baby here. He's like he's like 22 in this photo. Yeah, I know. You know, the, 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 guy's, the guy's sort of timeless. You know, you look at him, and you can't tell what age he is, uh, in part because he just looks young, and he's he's very, very skinny, so it, it, it's sort of deceptive, like, I, I don't know how old he is, but then you see this, and you're like, no, the guy's, the guy's definitely <laughs> aged. Yeah, yeah, he definitely has. This is a great shot, though. Yeah, yeah, this is Shabba Ranks and Fab Five Freddy uh, kind of hanging out. I, I don't know where this is. Is some some somewhere in Central Park, or standing on top of a, or maybe on top of a building? Hard to say. It feels very New York, which is cool, too. Uh, absolutely. You know, and this is Debbie Mazar, and I actually had to look this up because, you know, I know Debbie Mazar from, from Entourage. She uh. plays the assistant to Ari Gold, for those of you who used to watch Entourage on HBO. But it turns out she's a big dancer and danced with Madonna and was on tour with, like, a whole handful of really huge uh, hip-hop stars. So people have, you know, really interesting... Uh, pasts. Great stuff. Great stuff. This might have to be on the Christmas book list. Yeah. We should get a copy for The Office. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I, and I'm like, I haven't met that, that woman before. Oh, where? And it turns out in 2009... She won an award uh, at the Photo Plus Expo, oh. and I, I'm remiss to remember who the award was from, but one of the prizes was a photo shelter account. Oh. So I, I met her, and I shook her hand and gave her a photo shelter account, um, and here she is now, a Magnum photographer. Then, I think she was just kind of a student. She is still pretty young. Uh, but she's a magnum photographer. Well, anyway, the the assignment, the self-assignment, the project was that she would meet people and go up to them and say, hey, could I come to your home and crash and take photos of you? Just for one night? Just for one night. Less than 24 hours. And it's the kind of thing, when you're in photo school or you take a photo class, that's documentary in nature, a portraiture uh, uh the, the instructor will always inevitably tell you, you have to get outside of the comfort zone and you have to be okay going up to people and asking whether you can photograph them. Because that in a lot of, you know, for documentary, for long-term documentary work, that's often what you need to be doing. You need to gain the trust of your subjects. You need to spend time with them. You need to go into unfamiliar places and, and take the photo. And she did this constantly. Uh, and she says, she was really surprised at how, you know, some people initially, they were like, I don't want to talk to you. But then... When she explained the project, they were like, oh, yeah, come back. <laughs> yeah, she, she also mentions that she is really present as a person and not as a photographer. And she tries to make that clear with them that she's just there to be there. And, yes, she's going to be taking pictures, but she really, uh, it really allows her to have a moment with these subjects or yeah. just capture a moment of their own, even though she's present in the room. It's really evident in the images and, and beautiful. I don't even know what's going on in this one. The guy yeah, like, in, uh, Viking regalia <laughs> with a huge... 
Viking or medieval, I don't know. The dad, yeah, he's decked out. You know, one thing that I notice, and it's not it's not true of all of the images, but a lot of these people are uh, lower on the socioeconomic ladder. And it made me wonder whether they were more uh, willing to share their environment than say like a rich person. I don't think a rich person would be like, oh yeah, come to my Park Avenue apartment for a night mm-hmm. or come to my mansion in the suburbs <laughs> for a night. So it's an interesting, to me, it's also, I, I don't know whether she sought out specifically areas where less affluent people were living, but it, it, it seems to imply kind of an interesting social commentary about people's willingness to sort of open up to this sort of thing. Um, but but in 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 saying that, it's, it's just very interesting to see these environments and see how people are living and how they decorate their room and how they write on the wall and, you know, and how loving they are, how not loving they are. Yeah, there's a lot of loving moments that she's captured with couples yeah. embracing. Some really, I love this one too. This, uh, so this is a, uh, a car. She's used the, um, the interior light to illuminate uh, the daughter and part of the dad there. Um, and then you see a bunch of Christmas lights and an American flag there uh, and a cross in the uh, reflecting in the windshield. Um, really nice composition and nice white balance too, I must say. Yeah, there's a lot of different lights happening. <laughs> and, the, you know, she had a few of these um, that are just environments, uh, mountains, a lot of times, snowy mountains, and uh, they look really underexposed, but and they are underexposed, but I kind of like them. And that's my phone ringing in the background, so I apologize for that. Let's <laughs> <some> photos. <laughs> we, uh, we talked about Tavi... Uh, Gevinson um, about a month ago, maybe a little bit more than that. She had been featured in New York Magazine, and it was a cover shoot uh, by Martin Scheller. Which was beautiful. Which was beautiful, and it was a series of of portraits as well as uh, more documentary-style stuff that that isn't typical of what you think of when you think Martin Scheller. But here's another one, because Tavi is is kind of an it girl, so of course she gets uh, a, a lot of attention. This, again, is in the New York Magazine in the cut section, which is their fashion section. And it's the ph- photographer, Petra Collins. Is that her roommate? Did we... I think I think so, yes. Her roommate. Petra her roommate. is a 21-year-old uh, photographer um, who has this very, you know, flicker 20 under 20 style to it. A lot of these uh, photographers... You know, I was looking at those images again last night, the Flickr 20 under 20. A lot of them are using film. A lot of them are, you know, they, they sort of purposely don't care about scratches on the negatives and other detritus on the print. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to evoke and convey a certain mood. So here was the set. I was excited. Uh, you know, she woke up like this, Tavi. Um, and I started looking at the photos. And I think you and I had kind of the same reaction. Yeah. So Petra was assigned from the cut to photograph a series of women, um, which included Cynthia Rowley and stylist Linda Roden and other college students and Tavi, about them just getting ready for their day, waking up, going through the ritual of showering, putting on their makeup, choosing out their outfits, etc. Um, and I, I mean, I really like the one of Tavi because, it, you know, you can tell that they have a relationship yeah. And that they're friends, and it and it makes 
it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and some of the the opening few photos I thought were good, and some of these were good. I I like um I like the mood of this one where she's kind of half in the bathroom. You can't really see it, but then you see all these robes and coats hanging. Mm -hmm. So we looked at this, and and so there were some that I liked and some that weren't so good. And then you looked at some of the other ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course, because I wanted to look at all of them. This one. <laughs> Yeah, there's some weird <laughs> stuff going on. Um, I mean, first of all, that toilet, it's a picture of stylist Linda Roden's toilet, which is amazing. She has so many collections of shells on her bathroom floor, and but the fo photo of it is actually not good. It's, it's blurry, uh, blurry, and it's blurry. There's some mo and there's also some motion blur. There's motion blur, the white balance is poor. White there's balance is not correct at all. So we saw and who are we looking at yesterday where again it was it was clearly kind of a, a, not a portrait but the subject was right in the center of the frame. And yet it was out of focus. Oh, that was that was Cynthia Rowley. Yeah. Cynthia Rowley. So the the section of this show is called Petra Collins needs some autofocus. <laughs> here's the thing about it, okay? And this okay. to me is the difference between a young photographer and a more experienced photographer. Now I know Petra's been shooting since she was a teen, so I'm not trying to belittle her because obviously she's had mucho success. But when I saw the image of of Rowley out of focus in the center of the frame and the thing that was in focus, it was back focus. The thing that was in focus was like the cabinet behind her. The kitchen refrigerator, yeah. The kitchen refrigerator. I've seen photojournalistic photos by some of the greats where they intentionally defocus the subject. But the thing that's in focus is being, the, the photographer's intentionally drawing your eye to it. There's intent behind the out-of-focusness. In Petra's case, it's just out-of-focus, and I kind of feel like either she liked the image, she kind of liked the, the image or the mood, or she was just trying to, it's sort of like the emperor has no clothes. Like, let's just pass this off as being, like, cool. Yeah. But it's a crappy photo. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. <laughs> I mean, looking through all of the entire series of, of Every Woman, I definitely understand what she's trying to do. She's getting that sort of that morning rush feeling, yeah. you know, that, that getting ready, I got to go feeling. And that the motion blur adds to that, but the out of focus, I don't think adds anything to that idea. So. Yeah. And again, she's a good photographer. I just, you know, the edit's a little weird and out of focus thing. Yeah. Yep. And, and you know what, like the film, the decision to use film, no, I'm not going to poo-poo that. You know what? Use whatever medium you want to, but but don't be sloppy with it. Because I, I, you know, I have autofocus on my cameras, and I still shoot autofocus. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame you to say it's the film that's causing the autofocusness. It's the photographer that's causing the autofocus. Yeah, true. Yes. <laughs> okay, we have that settled. All right. <laughs> Tamara Reynolds uh, has a cool feature on the Lens Blog called Beyond the Stereotype South in which she tries to knock down stereotypes of what people think the South is about. You know, we think, well, you don't. You're from the South. Mm, from Texas, yeah. But, uh, you know, us uh, Yankees, we think the South is all Confederate flags and barbecue. Well, <laughs> I mean... Oh, that is a lot of the it. South, yeah. <laughs> um, but when we think of, you know, stereotypical people in those settings, uh, it's not necessarily the stuff that Tamara Reynolds is shooting. 
Um, and this is her backyard. So a lot of the commentary about these photos was you can go into your backyard and get really interesting photos. And, and photos in a way that, that only an insider can see. Mm -hmm. um, so she would kind of walk around these neighborhoods and take photos and yeah, you know, she's still capturing stuff that's important, like Friday Night Lights. Yep. But yep. instead of looking, focusing on the football, she's looking at the band, and mm. and these marching bands are huge in the South. Yeah, absolutely. I I know. I mean, I think the whole that you know, I'm not stereotyping the South, or this series isn't stereotyping the South. Is I don't know if that's 100% correct. <laughs> I mean, she's got she's covered her bases. She's got the guy who likes jazz she's right here. Yeah. She's got guns. She's got a whole hot barbecue, indoor swimming pool, mud covered jeans. Like it's definitely the South. Yes. Um. So I'm not sh quite sure how this series is totally breaking stereotypes, but well, I still think they're good images, and yeah. there's some really beautiful portraits as part of it. Well, th these are certainly scenes of the South, so that they're stereotypical, uh, I, I guess they're, they're, but they're true. They're mm -hmm. true, like a scene of... And I was reading one comment about this about, oh, my God, how common this is to have the shopkeeper holding her baby in her hand while she's working. Right. It's not so endemic necessarily to the South, but it's something you see a lot in the South. You also see that a lot in Southeast Asia. You know, I think you see it in a lot of poorer areas where the, the mom can't afford to send the kid to daycare, so she carries her in her arm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love I love the feel of these photos. This this one's my favorite. Oh yeah, it's great. It's beautiful, Just beautiful girl, beautiful photo, and really simple. Mhm. Mm and in focus. And in focus. <laughs> yes. Great job. Great job with that, Tamara Reynolds over on the Lens Blog. We're shifting a little bit. We're going to talk about Norway's new currency. This isn't a design show; it's a photography show. But I love design. And I'm going to talk about photography insofar as this is concerned. So Norway said, we're going to redesign our banknotes, our cash. We're going to redesign our cash. So they had a, an RFP, a request for a proposal, and they got uh, submissions from a bunch of uh, different design firms. Snoheta happens to be one of the big design firms even globally, a lot of people know Snoheta. I'm probably mispronouncing their name. But anyway, Snoheta came up with this pixelated design, which is going to go on the back of the note, which just looks really cool. I mean, why can't the U.S. have really cool-looking currency? I know. We really should amp that up. <laughs> so you have this kind of crazy pixelated thing on the back, which, and then they're colorful, and all the banknotes are different sizes. They get larger. And part of Snoheta's design on the front was to use contemporary photography not drawings I mean at some point they're going to be half toned or whatnot but they're they're not drawings in the way that we hand engrave uh, images of our presidents on our bank mounts but actual photos and it, it kind of looks like uh, like Mossless magazine meets banknote <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying they're like yeah. really contemporary scenes of Norway life yeah black and white black and white Super cool. Yeah. Accents of color, and then the pixelated thing on the back. Well, the government of Norway said, we really love the pixelated thing on the back, but we don't really love the photos. <laughs> so they ended up going with engraved 
more traditional scenes. So you're seeing here the front. I mean, all of this is subject to change when they finally get to press and all the security arrangements over making currency are, are in place, but this is kind of boring to me. Yeah, I've seen it, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Norway, your currency still looks great. We wish you would pick the photos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other countries that we love, uh, I love Japan, and here is a set of photos, really kind of creepy photos, over on the New Republic, haunting photos of Japan's tsunami survivors posing atop their flattened homes. So the uh, Argentinian photographer Alejandro Chasquilberg went to Japan and started meeting some of the locals and then had this idea that he's going to photograph portraits of these people in their homes and he does them at night and he uses artificial illumination but he he's using like minutes long exposures so the subjects stand or sit very very still he pops them with a little light um, to get them in focus in the foreground but it has this really really weird creepy almost like photoshopped look to them yeah well he's he's using black and white film in a 4x5 camera um and then, but then he's putting them into a digital darkroom and painting them with with color. Actually, with color used from a water damaged family photo album that he found in the town, which inspired the series, which is right there. That's the water yeah. damaged one. So he's pulling colors from that image and then painting the portraits. So that the the four by five really gives you that that foreground background separation. It's yeah. creepy. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a little haunting and, and creepy, especially with the illuminated lights, long exposure. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really neat photos, though. A uh, good idea. And wow, I, I just, I, I, I did, these photos did make me stop and kind of look at them for a while. So Alejandro Chaskilberg, Chaskilberg, Argentina. <laughs> Argentina, man, what's going on with my mouth today? <laughs> Tashin started the trend with the sumo book, the huge, huge book. What was their first sumo book? Do you know? I want to say that it was uh, Muhammad Ali, greatest of all time, goat, um... the goat book. Uh, and the goat book was like so large, you kind of need. It came with its own stand, if I'm re recalling correctly. And the thing weighed 40 or 50 pounds, and it was ginormous. And they've continued the tradition because I guess they sell. You know, they sell these bad boys for thousands of dollars each, three to five thousand dollars each, and they make you know one to three thousand copies or whatever. So Annie Leibovitz um, now has her Tashin sumo size book. Look how big this thing is. This is a big book. It's huge. It's 20 inches by 27 inches. And it comes with its own stand designed by Mark <laughs> Newsom. It's joined Apple. Uh, so a thousand copies leather bound that includes a fine art print signed by Annie. Uh, and it's ginormous. Pretty special. And I think it, I think it was five thousand dollars. I could be wrong. I, I looked at the site and I, I can't remember. It's it's very expensive. It's very very expensive. You could put it on your Christmas book list. I don't know that Santa's going to be bringing it. <laughs> it's too heavy for the sleigh and it's a little bit out of budget. Right. There's also an intro written by Steve Martin, which is pretty. Hey. Cool. I'd love to read that. You know, the other thing that dawned on me was even if I had the money to get this, where the heck would I put it? 
Yeah. Well, as the title says, it's bigger than your apartment, yeah, so I'm not sure. Your apartment. No, it's not good. That's not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> we looked at uh, 10 covers you should see besides Kim Kardashian's butt uh, last week. And one of the images that we looked at was a young uh, Taylor Swift. And we're like, wow, that's a great photo of Taylor Swift. I wonder who took that photo. Yeah, it was on the cover of Wonderland. The Wonderland magazine. And, uh, you know, none of the images that we looked at, I can't remember what site was saying 10 covers, but they didn't credit any of the photographers. Right. But I looked closer at the Wonderland magazine, and the Wonderland magazine on the cover actually credited the photographers. So here's the photographer, Thomas Whitehead. Whiteside, I'm sorry. Thomas Whiteside and some really, really cool celebrity photos. I, I don't know this guy. Do you know this guy? Uh, no, I had never heard of him. But yeah, he's got some great shots of some beautiful celebs. Including... So Taylor Swift with the thick eyebrows. With the thick eyebrows. He, he must have work with a stylist that really likes thick eyebrows because everybody's got... Everybody's got them. Here's Lord. Lord with big eyebrows. L- Lord is... How old is Lord now? 18? I think she's like 18, yeah. Like she's like f- 79 in right? spirit animal age. is like 79. <laughs> yeah. Iggy Azalea. So it's not just Taylor Swift like, oh, I got access to Taylor Swift five years ago. He's shooting contemporary artists, like nice portraits. Yeah, beautiful. Rooney. Uh, just really nice. Like, like, I really like his style. Yeah, he has some weird cropping decisions that he makes, but I, for the most part, I love it. This Willow Smith, amazing. Did you read the interview in Team Action with uh, Willow and Jaden? I did. Did I understand the interview? There's some weird stuff in there. There's some very weird stuff. Yes. Yes, those kids are on another level. They're on another level. (laughs) And I'm kind of jealous the way that people can kind of move in and out of black and white and color, because I just can't do it convincingly. Hmm. You know, even on the same subject, he'll kind of move in and out. Yeah. This Shailene Woodley uh, image, she's uh, from Divergent. This gets a lot of play, this image. She must be making a lot of residual. That's interesting you say that. I, I also saw this Ashley, this Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen picture used by The Cut just this week after we had been looking at his site. So, yeah, his images are getting picked up pretty regularly, which is must be He's nice. probably hugely famous, and we're just ignorant. Right, Virginia, we're like Thomas Whiteside. Like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we love your stuff, Thomas. Love your stuff. Over on CNN, a calendar of the Earth Defenders, shot by Steve McCurry. Steve. <laughs> what? I mean, there's even there's just oh oh my gosh. So speaking of Steve McCurry, everybody knows Steve McCurry from the Afghan Girl yeah. image, National Geographic back in the '70s. A prolific. A body of work and super sensitive, the nicest, quietest guy uh, Steve McCurry is. I follow the Nat Geo Instagram feed, and Steve is in Slovakia, I want to say, or Slovenia, or one of one of the Eastern European countries, and I apologize for not remembering. And he had hired a, a small craft pilot to take him up in the air, and the pilot started going really low to the water, and Steve said, hey man, you, you should pull up, we're five feet above the, the water. And the plane caught the water. Whoa. The boat the, the plane started sinking. Steve is in the like uh, seat belted into the back seat of this little light aircraft as water starts infiltrating the cockpit. Whoa. 
and this is all on the Instagram feed. You can go to the Nat Geo, at Nat Geo feed and read about this. And he says, I, th- I was pretty sure at this moment I was going to die. Wow. Calling for help from the pilot, and he wasn't, he wasn't responding. He, w- he was alive, and he was trying to help himself. So Steve said, I thought I was going to die. And then he said, and then the survival instinct kicked in. And he managed to break his way out of the plane. He lost all his gear. He gets out of the plane into this, you know, freezing cold water and uh, a fisherman picks the pilot and Steve up. Wow. And I was just like, are you kidding? You're announcing this on Instagram. Wow. This just happened? This just happened. Oh, we should have, we should have brought that up. That's, that's incredible. Wow. But so anyway, I mean, the guy is a friggin' badass. (laughs) There's a calendar of Earth Defenders. Yeah, this is Earth Defenders, which um, is put together by a coffee company, Levada, in partnership with the Slow Food Movement, and they wanted to document food activists in Africa, and so they sent Steve to take these really beautiful portraits of people who are making changes in the way that we eat and get food. The interesting thing about these images for me is that he's lighting them. Yeah. He's not historically known for lighting his portraiture because he's always like finding great light but this is sort of an interesting departure yeah and it's so tastefully too you know it's very tasteful uh, very cinematic but at the same time tasteful these are these are so beautiful they're very very um well again they remind me of the last or before they pass away the series yeah yeah but except these... they're not as like stagey exactly exactly once again, these are a better <laughs> better depiction of a culture. They also feel very peaceful. And I guess I, I, I'm curious to see what the brief was like. But if, it, you know, they're talking like slow food, movement, sustainability, all of this. There's something very zen and peaceful about all these images mm-hmm. that I really, really like. Well, Steve, a few years ago, uh, shot the Pirelli calendar. That's right, which it was not that great. <laughs> Well, you know, because the Pirelli calendar is known for sexy girls. Mm-hmm. And Steve shot sexy girls, but like clothed and in environmental settings. Um, and well, Pirelli said, okay, well, we've had enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to sexy girls. So Steve and Mizell uh, got to shoot the 2015 uh, calendar. And the theme this year was like latex. So there are a lot of girls in latex. But this year also includes their first plus-size model. And we were talking about the whole Vogue uh, fracas that uh, Cass Bird shot Mm -hmm. uh, with the plus-size model. And this particular series does not have the plus-size model. Or maybe she's in one of the uh, pages or whatnot. I can't tell which one would be her. Yeah, that, she's not one of those. Those okay. are very skinny models. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but it was interesting to see that that choice. Um, you know, I, I have a book of the of the Pirelli calendars, uh, three or four decades worth of Pirelli calendars, and Rizzoli publishes a, 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 a book, a retrospective book, almost every year. Um, there's not a ton of variety. You know, there's only so much you can do with a pretty girl with no clothes on. Right. Quite what, what is the history of the Pirelli calendar? I'm, I'm... Yeah, Pirelli, Pirelli is a tire company out of uh, Italy. And I guess like many companies back in the day, they started creating tires and they had sexy girl, mm. sexy girl calendars. 
Um, right, because that, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's that stereotypical image of the mechanic in his shop that has like the Playboy playmate. Right, 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 right. Back to the wall in a Pirelli calendar. Yes. Uh, so, but now it's now it's a thing, and they get really fantastic photographers to shoot this stuff. Well, I'm I'm glad Steve McCurry went to the slow food movement for that calendar, and the Pirelli is back on track with these really sexy women. <laughs> two uh, two calendars that you can put into your stocking stuffer. <laughs> Let's talk about some technology for a moment. Uh, researchers have announced that they can basically caption your, your images for you by just looking at the image. A computer can look at the image and caption the image for you. And here we go. Here's an image of people playing uh, Ultimate Frisbee. The human captioned it as, uh, quote, a group of men playing Frisbee in the park. The computer captioned it as a group of young people playing a game of Frisbee. Pretty damn good. Yeah, wow. <laughs> now, remember, the computer is only looking at elements in the image. So contextually, at this point, it doesn't know that this is ultimate Frisbee. It could learn that. I, I've been talking to some researchers about that. They could see, like, there are cones in the background, and these are all sort of artificial intelligence-based things where they get smarter as they get more training data. So it could say, wow, these guys are, are close together and there are cones in the background, so it's probably a competition. And since there's a Frisbee uh, there that's really prominent, it's probably ultimate Frisbee. <laughs> so we're going to get to the point where that's possible. Now, will a really... Will a, a person familiar with a sport or an area be able to out-caption or out-keyword the computer? For the time being, the answer is yes. You know, random building that's not necessarily in uh, the database yet. Where, you know, random building in Soho, how, how is the computer going to know that unless it's trained? Whereas a person might say, oh, yeah, I know what that building is. That's this building, blah, 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 blah. But thank God. You know, because if there's, if there's something I hate, it's keywording and captioning photos. Yeah. What if this lived in your Lightroom and oh every time you just uploaded photos, it automatically did this? That would be incredible. It would be so helpful. And if there was really good search tools in Lightroom, which there are not. Um, but, you know, you can imagine a plug-in that, that instead of a dollar per image sent off to India, you're paying five cents an image or one penny an image. And all of a sudden, your entire collection of images that you've ever shot that's in Lightroom is keyworded. Um, and then you put them up in Photo Shelter, and now they're all searchable, and people can find stuff, and you can find stuff. Mm-hmm. Now that, wait, the last one, the computer-generated caption versus the yeah. human one is pretty funny. <laughs> okay, so the human, his, here's a kite, and the human says a green monster kite soaring in a sunny sky, and the computer says a man flying through the air while riding a snowboard. <laughs> So I feel like there could be some great uh, like fine art yeah. photography made off of this of computer model generated caption. But you know it's interesting because it, it identified a face, right? It saw yeah. a face and then it saw that it was in the air, so it figured, oh, okay, so it must be like snowboard. It looks similar to a lot of the snowboard <laughs> images, and you can totally see where it's coming from. <laughs> like the, you're trying to reason with the computer. Yeah. I get it. I get you. I get, yeah, I know. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you know, Google and the other companies that are out there clarifies another one. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Yeah, we're all waiting so we can stop captioning. 
Another piece of technology for you is the Print, P-R-Y-N-T, case that turns your smartphone into a Polaroid camera because mm, Polaroid's cool. I, mm, I guess. I guess. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm showing it to you because I appreciate <laughs> the fact that people try to do stuff. Print stuff. Print, no, just stuff in general. I appreciate that people are trying to like do interesting things with photography and capture different niches. Do I think this is going to be a successful product? No. Yeah, no. Would, would I buy one for $99? No. If they yeah. gave it to me, would I try it out? Sure. For like a day. And then I'd be like, screw it. Because you know what? I still have that Fuji Instax printer yeah. right in front of me. Right. I and use I, it every week and it's sitting there. Oh, man. Yeah. I, ma I made you print one of my pictures and then I was like, okay, that's cool. I get it. it. The fact of the matter is digital is just too convenient. And more so than that, the way that we share digital, like, what do you, you can't share a print. I mean, not as much. <laughs> not as much. <laughs> Not yeah. as much. Not, yeah. not, not for daily casual use. Right. The way that we Snapchat or the way that we just, you know, send images or Instagram. Like, I'm not going to create a Polaroid. I'm sorry. Right. Or, yeah, just the way that we're taking pictures with our phones. We don't really need to print those. So there you go. The print and uh, the Google. That's the technology for the week. As usual, we like to end on a fun note. And this has barely anything to do with photography. It is a photo. <laughs> I will yeah. tell you that when I was a kid, I loved seeing uh, the Guinness Book of World Records. Yes. Back when it was actually a book. Yes. Um, and, you know, you would see things like the, the fattest motorcycle twins in the world. <laughs> um, the longest fingernails. The longest fingernails that were all curled up. Yep. Disgusting. But, you know, people, you can't unsee that stuff. And people have this stuff embedded in their memories. And always there was the tallest man and the shortest man. Well, it was always the historically tallest man and the historically shortest man, but here's an image of the current tallest man, meaning the current shortest man. And the difference in size is so dramatic that you can't even see it on my screen at the same time. No, we have to scroll. <laughs> so the tallest man is eight foot three, and the shortest man is one foot nine and a half inches. Oh. It's, this picture kind of made my day. It's <laughs> such a great photo. And the quote from The Shortest Man, he says, when I look into his eyes, I can tell we have dealt with similar struggles, although we are physically different, which is no, just so sweet. That's so true and so prescient. And you yeah. think, oh, what, what is the, what, what, what the tallest man? He can see over everybody. He's got a duck every time he goes into a hallway. Uh -huh. He's got he's got to have leg and back problems. Yeah. The shortest guy probably got kicked all the time. Oh man. Now look in the background on this photo. We're we're at some sort of uh, maybe university, a lot of stone buildings, and there's a dude just walking down the steps. He's out of focus in the background. <laughs> Oblivious to the fact that the tallest man and the shortest man in the world are having a portrait taken. Oh, yeah. Well, around, buddy. that's a great way to end the show with us normal-sized people. <laughs> the temperature in New York City is going to go up from a, a low of about 21 earlier in the week. With the wind chill, it was in the single digits. Oh, my God. And on Monday, it's going to be in the mid-60s and rainy. I got to say, even though it'll be rainy, I'm very glad it'll be above 30. Oh, I know. Thank God. But, you know, <laughs> in that rain cloud, don't don't send your drone up. Okay, yeah. No, no I'm not going to try to make – no, no. not going to do that. <laughs> 
Hey, if you like uh, what you saw today, you can also watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash photoshelter. We keep all of our videos there. They get automatically uploaded because we're using Google Hangouts. Or you can always uh, subscribe to our podcast by going to iTunes and looking for I Love Photography. And that's another show. That's episode number 40. I can't believe we're all the way up to 40. Can't wait to get to 100, Sarah J. Yes, we'll oh, make yeah. it. <laughs> so for Sarah J, this is Alan Murabayashi. Thanks for watching. I love photography. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.